Oh, hey, y'all. You've heard me brag for a while now about how I, a person who used to be scared to use my own oven, learned how to cook like a real live adult during lockdown, and now I am as good as that guy on the bear. Now, this is all true. Uh, here's the thing, though. Even though I am now an amazing chef, it takes me a very long time to cook. It is not something that comes naturally to me. And lately, my life has gotten way, way, way more busy, and I do not have the time to devote to cooking like I used to. That is why I am so deeply excited about the pod's new sponsor. They came along exactly when I needed them. I am talking about Factor. Let me tell you a little bit about Factor. Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You will have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie-smart, vegan and veggie, and more. And... There's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. Y'all, do you understand how amazing it is to have a microwave meal that that tastes like I spent hours cooking it, but it comes pre-prepared? One of my favorites that Factor sent me was roasted garlic butter salmon with celery root cauliflower mash and Parmesan broccoli, and it just came like that. I didn't have to cook it. Y'all, what are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Here are some facts. Factor, they make two-minute meals. Fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. They also do snacks, smoothies, and more. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save, y'all. Factor has done the math. They are less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian-approved to be nutritious and delicious, Factor is the perfect solution if you are looking for fast, upscale options done easily. They're also flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. We are talking no prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there is no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. What more do you need to hear, y'all? Head to factormeals.com slash comingoutpod50 and use code comingoutpod50 to get 50% off. That's code comingoutpod50 at factormeals.com slash comingoutpod50. Get 50% off! Bye. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hello and welcome to the Bechdel cast. My name is Caitlin Durante. And my name's Jamie Loftus. And we talk about the representation of women 
and movies. On our podcast that you're listening to. That's it. This you is clicked, it. You're tapped. Here you are. Yep. And here we are. And here we are. Once again, uh, the Bechdel cast takes a look at how female characters are portrayed in famous movies. And we use the Bechdel test as a jumping off point for that discussion. What on earth is that? Well, I'll tell you. It's a test invented by queer cartoonist Alison Bechdel. It's a media test that requires that two female identifying characters, they have to have names and they have to talk to each other for two lines of dialogue about something that is not a man or related to a man. Wow. Wow. Sounds like it should be easy, but a lot of movies. The Lord of the Rings doesn't pass. <laughs> Not one of the 10 hours of that famous movie franchise. <laughs> so that's why we're here. Yes. And we did this on the, the Debs episode as well. But yes. I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into the origins of the Bechdel test than we normally do. Because I think it's especially it's relevant for this movie that we're discussing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Jamie, as you said, Alison Bechdel, queer icon, inadvertently created the Bechdel test in her book, Dykes to Watch Out For, which was published in 1985 i think some people think that she kind of like deliberately set out to create this test it's kind of yeah it's it's more that it was it's usually presented as like it was invented as like in a like an academic paper or something right it was more that it appeared in her book and then was just like later co-opted into the test that we now use today yeah and Alison Bechtel credits the idea to her friend Liz Wallace and to the writings of Virginia Woolf, specifically her essay, A Room of One's Own. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the test is sometimes referred to as the Bechtel-Wallace test, which Alison Bechtel is said to prefer. So that's probably what we should call it also, but Bechtel we don't. Wallace. We simply always forget. <laughs> it's Whoops. simply our fault and we fucked up and we're sorry. Yes, we're so sorry. Yep. Um, and then in the comic Dykes to Watch Out For... Uh, there are two lesbian characters, and the context of their conversation is that there is so little queer woman representation in movies that the only way for them to imagine a female character in a movie might be a lesbian is if she is seen talking to another woman on screen about not a man, like about something other than a man. Right. So the context of the original comic is like rooted in like Alison Bechtel's queerness, and that is like generally erased from the conversation surrounding the Bechtel test, the Bechtel-Wallace test. Yes. So because, especially for our episode today, but also all the time, um, you know, context like that is so often erased. We've even been guilty of it mm. uh, at times on this show. So it is it is definitely worth bringing up. And also just like read Allison and Bechtel's stuff yes. and uh, watch it. You can watch it on fucking Broadway. It's so, it's and it's also incredible and good. So Indeed, yeah. The Bechtel-Wallace test there it is there it is baby hey should we introduce our guests let's do it i'm excited for today me too we have two guests today yes they are the hosts of coming out with lauren and nicole aka coming out pod it's lauren flans and nicole payson Hi. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having us yeah, yeah welcome so we are talking about the movie carol carol 2015 yes. What is each of your relationship with this movie? We should probably start with Lauren because I think her relationship <laughs> is more intimate and better than okay. mine. So. Uh, yes. Um, I saw this movie uh, in theaters shortly okay. after it came out, which is rare for me. I do not see movies that often. But um, I have a buddy who, for years and years now, every Christmas, 
we movie hop, which guys don't do that, pay for your movies. <laughs> but one day a year, we will like pay for a movie at 10 a.m. and then just see like three movies over the hey, course of the I day. Get That's a it. beautiful tradition. Yeah. yeah. It is, right? And also, I feel like in certain, I guess Carol isn't maybe the best example of this, <laughs> but like for like Disney, for like anything owned by Disney, I'm like, I will watch this for free. I feel entitled exactly. to Exactly. And Carol yeah. was the first movie of the day. So, so you paid I, for that yes, one. I paid okay. for Carol. Uh, the following movie I did not pay for it was Daddy's Home. <laughs> and okay. why uh, should no one? I don't feel that. badly about that. Yeah, but no, what you even is that? Oh God, it's oh, actually it's... I really enjoyed it. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. <laughs> It was a great follow-up to Carol as, like, a palate cleanser. Oh, sure. It's uh, Will Ferrell and, and Mark Wahlberg and a lot of hijinks. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll watch it at some point. I mean, inevitably, we'll do a Back to the Cast episode on the Daddy's Home franchise. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. yeah it's Daddy's almost a franchise. One more, and I think there's, it counts. I think there's two of them. Yeah, there's two. Oh, wow. Well, when Daddy's Home 3 comes out, we'll be sure to do an yeah. episode. <laughs> Everything's going to be put on hold. Um, But I did, yeah, I saw it in theaters on Christmas Mm -hmm. with my friend um, who, and I'll just tell this part quickly, but he's he's a friend I've known since college. I've known him since before I was out. And we've never had, it's, he's one of those friends, and I don't have a lot of these, but I don't know if, Nicole, if you have any, you probably don't, but yeah, I was going to say, he's one of those friends where, like, I'm like, does he know that I'm gay? Because he's not yeah. on social media that much, and we've known each other since before then, and we've never talked about it, so it was a very weird movie to, like, be sitting next to, like, <laughs> yeah. my straight guy friend of being like, what does he get what this is? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, awesome. no, everybody knows I'm queer. Yeah, I was going to, why did I even ask you that? <laughs> yeah, no. That would be, they'd have to be under a rock. So, yeah, that's fair. Uh, Nicole, what's your relationship with the movie? I actually did not see it in theaters. I saw it via a screener afterwards, because yeah. that's what I've done the past several years, where I'm like, why would I pay for this when I'm yeah. going to get it in the mail? <laughs> um, and so that's what I did. I mean, my first impression of it was just that it was really beautiful. The color palette is awesome in the movie, which is something I noticed again mm-hmm. the second time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also shot on 60 millimeter, I want to say. Yeah, so yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. So it like has that grain to it. So, yeah. I mean, from like a visual standpoint, I really enjoyed it. And okay, if I wasn't already queer, I'd be queer for Kate Blanchett. Like, mm-hmm. that's like a great way of putting that. I love everything that she does. And I think that she she's like, Maybe no, she's my favorite actress. So, um, so she can, in my opinion, do no wrong, um, and she's such a presence that it's just it's amazing. So, except seeing... for when she doesn't pass the Bechdel test in Lord of the Rings, <sighs> so. which we can all agree is her fault. I like to hold women accountable for when they're movie. Definitely, yes. she did a polish on all the Lord of the Rings scripts. <laughs> I think that originally, okay, let's make this canon. Yeah. The movie did pass the Bechdel test quite a bit, and uh-huh. Kate Blanchett went into meetings and was just like. I just am not comfortable with women speaking to each other on screen. So <laughs> that that that, that, that tracks. That's yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> that tracks, yeah. Um, anyway, sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 no. It's fine. So, uh, so I, I mean, I remember loving loving her in it, and just thinking it was a really you know beautiful film and sad and melancholic and very reflective of that time and important that we tell those stories and how difficult it was because I think sometimes we're like, especially in Los Angeles, we're like, oh, and you know everything's fine now, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um. So I think it's an important part of queer history uh those kind of stories but it it didn't it didn't like go into the canon of one of my favorite queer films though and 
I didn't really know why that was until the second time around mm. and watching it and realizing that Rooney Mara is about as interesting as a piece of cardboard. And <laughs> so, and like, I mean, I we'll just, get into I, li- that. yeah, we will. <laughs> but um, in, in watching it the second time, I, I have some issues. But it, it, it had been funny to me because like all of my queer female friends were obsessed with that movie. Mm-hmm. And I remember just being like, huh, I wonder why it hasn't like stuck with me. And now I know. Now you know. (laughs) (laughs) Caitlin, what about you? Oh, um, I didn't see it in the theater, but I did watch it. I knew that it had like a lot of buzz around it. So I like made sure to watch it pretty soon afterward. And I similarly thought it was visually beautiful. I think it's boring. (laughs) That is the most popular opinion I've heard. Yeah. (laughs) And I have reasons to back this up, which we will get into. And it has largely to do with the, what I think is a lack of on-screen chemistry between Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara. But yeah, we'll get there. Um, But yeah, I, I only had seen it that once uh, before prepping for this episode. So I don't have much of a grand history with it. But um, yeah, I'm excited to talk more about it. Jamie, what about you? Uh, I hadn't, this was, this movie came out in 2015, which was truly before I saw movies in theaters. Mm-hmm. I So I didn't see it when it came out. I remember there were multiple of my aunts who told me to go see it. My aunts uh-huh. like all saw it together and they were just like, it's beautiful. You have to see it. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't listen to my aunts. Um, <laughs> I'm an adult. Um, my aunts loved it. But I mean, I really, I really enjoyed it. I also, it's so weird because we were talking in the car uh, driving over about it and you were like, I think it's boring. I was like, oh, I really liked it. But, and then later I was like, I was asleep for like 10 minutes a couple different times. (laughs) But then I would have to like, a couple, but then when I rewound it, I'm like, it's so beautiful. But I was asleep sometimes, but it was so beautiful. (laughs) Should I do the recap? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so it's the end of, I think, 1951, I believe. I yeah. think that's right, yeah. It's right around the holidays. We meet Therese, that's Rooney Mars' character. Mm-hmm. Uh, she works at a department store. And at work, she catches the eye of a woman who is shopping for a gift for her daughter because women be shopping. <laughs> and women be mothers. And that is referring specifically to Carol. And this is Carol, uh, Kate Blanchett's character, and Carol approaches Therese. They get to talking, and then Carol accidentally leaves her gloves behind at the department store. Accidentally. Accident. Like, accidentally. Yeah. I've done that before. Yeah, that's Everyone. a great move. We've all left, you know, earrings or something. <laughs> a guy did that with his jewel pot at my house. Oh. Mm. Hey, I think I left my jewel. <laughs> Modern day I I Carol. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the update. <laughs> Carol leaves her jewel pot <laughs> on the counter. <laughs> I, like, but guys are not crafty enough to have done that accidentally with an asterisk. You know what I mean? right. That's just, yeah. no. He left his jewel. It is the, uh, it's yeah. the George Costanza move, though, from Seinfeld. I think mm. we should credit Oh, it. oh, oh yeah. Cool. So, 
far be it for me to challenge Which I Seinfeld. assume is borrowing from the Patricia Highsmith novel. Definitely. That's, sure. what, that's what Larry David <laughs> George was. Costanza and Carol no, but are that contemporaries was, in every way. <laughs> that was his move. He used to leave something mm-hmm. in a girl's apartment oh so that he could then good see her again. Seinfeld. But, but we are on a insane tangent. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> Carol, Carol leaves her gloves. Yes. Then we see Carol at home, and she has a husband, Harge. He's the guy from Friday Night Lights. Yes. That's truly. And he doesn't act well enough to convince me he's not the guy from Friday Night Lights <laughs> in this particular movie. I'm like, okay, it's Mr. Coach. <laughs> I think he does a fine job. But anyway, so she has a husband. She has a daughter named Rindy, uh, who she loves so much. Mm. She loves her daughter, Rindy. They are rich. Important to know that. And then there is a mention of Carol's good friend, Abby, we will meet later on who Harge Paulson Harge clearly has a problem with and then we see a little bit of Therese's life Uh, she has a boyfriend named Richard who wants her to go to Europe with him she has an interest in photography and then she mails the gloves back to Carol Mm. I like that she's a photographer I think in the book she's not a photographer but then in the movie she is a photographer because she's not like the other girls (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Have either of you read the book no. that this is based on? No, I haven't. Okay, I that's haven't. quite all right. Yes. Yeah, but I have not read it. We'll go a little bit into the, the history of, of this book, the adaptation. I've read the that, Wikipedia page of the book. Yeah, I was like, to be clear, neither of us have yeah. read the book. Not We're not so like, we read. We would never read a book. None of us. <laughs> um, but we, we just did some research on the adaptation changes. Yes. So Carol takes Therese to lunch to say thank you for returning the gloves. Uh, we learn that Carol is in the middle of a divorce. And then Carol invites Therese to her very large house. They hang out. And then Harge comes home and he's like, who is this lady? Football game. Football. High school in Texas. <laughs> Friday Night Lights. <laughs> he's like, Carol, you know, come with me for Christmas. She's like, no, I don't want to. We're getting a divorce. And then he's all pissed off Football. and they fight. Football. Football. Give me my daughter. The big game's coming big, up. Yeah. <laughs> Touchdown. Fuck. <laughs> And then soon after, Carol learns from her lawyer that Harge is filing for sole custody of their daughter on the grounds of a morality clause because uh, basically because she's had a relationship with women, she is considered an unfit mother. So Carol is obviously very upset about this. And then Therese and her are hanging out some more. And then her boyfriend, Richard, is upset with her. He's like, you have a crush on a woman. And she's like, no, I don't. But yes, she does. <laughs> I like how Therese, like, she's she doesn't stand up for herself in a lot of areas of her life. Mm-hmm. But against Richard, she's always just like, shut up. Like, yeah, she really is. <laughs> like, I was, I was like, oh, my, I wish I could do that. Where he's just like, why don't you want to be my girlfriend? And she's like, leave me alone. Go away. I don't yeah. want to meet yeah. your mom. Like, and she st- manages to do all of it showing little to no emotions. Hey. Still. Yes. Hey now. So hey there's now. that, which is which is really impressive. Oh, where no. she's like, stop, go away. She full blank. I'm gonna face. be such like, a Rooney Mara defender <laughs> in this episode, no, no. which I can tell in, is in, not gonna be in, in, Like, here, here's what I'm gonna say. I actually really like Rooney Mara in other things. So like I'm not this is not me like hating on Rooney Mara and no, totally, totally. from a queer standpoint. 
I wanted her so bad in mm. Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. <laughs> Because that's my type, and we I know that. haven't so seen that movie. So this is one of the oh, few shit. things I've She's seen. She's so good in it, Rooney Mara. In. But it, anyway, anyway, sorry. Yeah. It does seem like her being boring in this movie was a choice because mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, she can do not boring. Definitely, that's why it was but, very. Well, I jarring. have a theory. Yeah. On, should we wait yeah. till the end of the? Yeah, okay. But we'll, we'll, we'll get there so about soon. why she's boring. <laughs> Okay, so the rest of this recap. Here we go. So then Carol and Therese leave together to go on a road trip to the Midwest. And they're getting closer and closer. There's a hand touch here. There's a hand on the shoulder there. And then at one point... the rustling of fabric. There's like shots of a steering wheel. And you're just like, it's all so beautiful. And then you're like, I'm sleeping. (laughs) (laughs) And then at one point, Therese suggests that they share a motel room rather than get two separate rooms. And then shortly after this, they finally kiss. The moment we've been waiting for. New Year's. New Year's Eve. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's the new year. They kiss during the ball drop, and then they have sex. And then they meet what seems like a nice gentleman on their travels, but he turns out to be... Does he seem nice? He seems creepy yeah and He's overbearing like, <laughs> i have magazines want to buy the them? riddler yeah like yeah <laughs> he was creepy <laughs> and the movie tells you he's creepy because whenever uh you like hear his voice off screen before you see him and then as soon as you like hear his voice the camera tilts up really fast and like a startling like oh who's yeah. this guy so you're like we know not to trust him but we don't know why yet right but the reason why is that he is a private snoop kind of guy (laughs) who harge had hired to follow carol and therese around to record them to have further evidence in his case in this divorce so then carol gets on a flight back to new york and her friend abby sarah paulson's character flies in to drive therese back to new york uh, and then carol has left a letter that effectively breaks off their relationship she's like we shouldn't have any contact and you know bye forever therese is devastated understandably mm-hmm. and then we cut to some time later um she's developing some photos she took carol has been seeing a psychotherapist she's clearly trying to do whatever it takes so that she can keep seeing her daughter therese makes an effort to contact her but then eventually stops and it's at this point that carol has had it she's like i'm gonna see my daughter and i'm gonna keep being with women and that's my final offer uh <laughs> And then, direct quote. <laughs> yes. She bangs her fist in the table. Damn it. And then the guy's like, oh, football. Oh, football. Like he gets scared <laughs> in his eyes. And then Carol contacts Therese, and then they meet up. And then it's the same scene we see in the very beginning, which we weren't really sure what was going yes. on, but now we get it. Carol asks if Therese wants to come live with her in her new apartment. And then Therese is like, no, I don't think so. Carol says, I love you. And just then they get interrupted and Therese goes to a party and then Carrie Brownstein is like making eyes at her there. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And yep. we're like, yep. sure, why not? Yeah. Okay. And then, uh, but then Therese returns to the restaurant where Carol is at and then they look at each other and then they smile and then they're going to be together. Oh, that's so nice. The end. Also, Therese becomes a photographer at the New York Times. Yeah, yes. and and still is saying nothing. By well, the I think like, in, that, in the ones is she not just like a? <laughs> I think she's like, like a intern, file clerk. Yeah, I think she's yeah. like what they let girls do back then, <laughs> which is sit in a room with men and take notes of what the men said. Yes, I think sure. she's got a glow up though. It's better. Than oh, blue for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 
Yeah, yeah nice definitely. Work. No, she's insurance. doing well for a woman. <laughs> uh, so that's the story. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll come right back for the discussion. And we're back. Yes. There's so much to talk about. Mm-hmm. Well, why don't we hand it over to the two of you and talk about the representation of queerness and queer women in this movie and how you felt it was handled and just your general thoughts on that. I Well, I should say, I love this movie. Mm-hmm. I unabashedly love this movie. I think I'm in the minority of not just queer women, but like anyone. Like, I have definitely both online and in person, been mildly shamed for finding this movie riveting because most people do think it's super boring. I've also been the opposite of kink shamed for thinking it's hot. Like people have <laughs> actors. You just made it. I saw it. Nicole just made a face. I, like, <laughs> I think this movie is hot. I will defend that later. But yeah, I think I'm in the minority. That being said, I, I, I think it's a good depiction. I mean, it mm-hmm. is, you know, it is of a very specific time period. It definitely uh, has its issues. I think watching it this time, I think there are two people of color in the entire movie. Yeah. They oh. do not speak. Mm-hmm. They're in service positions. Yes. Uh, yeah, and, and uh, you know, we make the argument like, well, it's that time and they, like, of this stature, they wouldn't, they'd only be interacting with white people. And, like, yes, that's true, but also what the fuck right um so yes i think this movie has its issues in terms of queerness specifically i think it's a a great depiction uh i can talk now about what i perceive please yeah i know one of the kind of issues that i have with it i think more so with richard is that so therese is like a blank slate and so i think for a lot of it's like people projecting what they like when Richard's like, I love you. I want to spend my life with you. It's like, what do you love about her, dude? Like, <laughs> what the are you exact into? Question I had to every single person who was like, actually, Carrie Brown's scene at the end. He's like, how do you know Phil or something? She said, well, I assume that like everybody here is Phil's friends. And Carrie Brownstein looks at her and goes, I see why Phil speaks so highly of you. Yeah, and I that's, was like, why? No, that's why? 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 She said words. That line like, is, that's a, it. is a misstep. Yeah. Horrible. <laughs> I agree with You're that. You're like, what do you see? I was. It's just crazy. She's well, a photographer. She's not like the other girls. She's not like the other girls. She has <laughs> a fantastic haircut, especially for that era. But <laughs> stands out in a crowd. But yeah, I think with Carol initially – I think it's it's very definitely like a physical attraction and like a I will call it a vibe which I think in 1951 like that's what you had to go off of like mm-hmm. if there was any sort of electricity you're like I guess I'll aggressively follow that because otherwise I'm never going to meet anyone right <laughs> ever like that's just sort of how it was and I do think that Carol and Therese and I think Carol does get to know her as a person and does love her for her you can argue that the audience has to do a lot of that work on their own of like all all of it I mean I know because I kept thinking the same thing because like we don't we see those pretty shots of them with the hand and the wheel and this and the whatever but like the actual getting we don't get to know Therese much less Kate Blanchett like we don't have any idea why she actually likes her other than this initial chemical attraction that they have and I'm not sure that agreeing with you I'm not sure I buy that anyway Mm. um their chemistry I've seen much better chemistry but like I don't think I don't think it's horrible (laughs) but I just to me I'm like I can't I cannot 
Kate Blanchett is so she has so much power right. to her character and she is so well-rounded and there's just there is so much that she brings to the table that you're like why this blank slate of a person? Well, I think that's like, part of why? what she's attracted to. I think Therese plays everything like so close to the vest. You can argue that there's nothing underneath the vest if you like, but I prefer to think of it as like Carol, that character, everything is just out. Like it is just out there. There's mm-hmm. no subtlety. <laughs> there's like, and Therese is like, a mystery or you yeah, know like she's got it. and some people are drawn to that especially people who are very like spotlight on me all the time I do think there's an attraction to people who are more like like what is she thinking yeah. which is a line that she says she's like do you know how many times a day I ask you that yeah mm. I, um, I, I liked I liked Therese I liked <laughs> Therese too and also in the book I don't know I mean because Rooney Mara I think is like 30 when this movie is filmed or yeah, something, something like that, like that yeah. but the character Therese and the, and the ages I feel like are sort of intentionally not stated in mm-hmm. the movie because of the actors but Therese is supposed to be like 19 or 20 she's supposed to be really young mm-hmm. and so I'm like oh, who has a personality when they're 19 and they're you know oh pull- I had a magnetic personality <laughs> when I was 19 well I certainly didn't like I especially if I was around like an older person that I was like sexually intimidated by and had a yeah, huge crush yeah, on yeah, and yeah. I don't know like I, I again it's like it's it's weird because I agree with both of you that it is it is a boring movie but the, <laughs> but there were also I, I I really I don't know I, I like related to her with just there were moments where her personality like she snapped at Richard constantly because she just wasn't intimidated by him mm. and was very direct with the people she wasn't intimidated by yes. the people she was she kind of disappears 100% and mm. I was like oh that's how I was when I was 19 hopefully I wasn't quite that boring <laughs> but there's you know boring representation in this movie is high (laughs) well someone needs to represent I mean there's not enough of that there's boring person erasure and I think this movie (laughs) does a lot in that area but yeah no I think with the with the with people she's not intimidated by specifically men because in that scene at night with that guy Danny in the office he's like oh I think like right before he kisses her and he's Mm. like I think people are and she's like I don't think that at all right yeah she tells him the pinball there's yeah, something, oh, she said something about pinballs. Like, yeah, yeah, that I mean, that was a very like abstract balls scene. of energy, yeah. like bouncing. And off she of like one another, yeah. disagrees with him. Yeah, she's like, I don't think that. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, with Carol, she's very. Uh, I let myself get uh, hopelessly sidetracked as I do. <laughs> but what I was going to say, Nicole, is like in seeing this since Nicole and I both uh, volunteer facilitate at the LA LGBT Center, mm. and in in doing that and in seeing in talking to like so many women who are like just coming out so especially in the early 1950s especially when she's like 20 21 whatever Mm -hmm. I think it's like she's not a fully formed person because she hasn't reckoned with that part of herself so I think she literally is a blank slate because there's this huge part of her like she's gay you guys like she's fucking (laughs) gay as fuck like she sees Carol and she's like it's like she's this girl who hasn't had any of that developed so she's coming across as just like this literally empty vessel I don't know it was really interesting for me to watch this movie having now met so many women who are just initially coming out Mm -hmm. and like coming into themselves and I was like Oh, I, I have decided to believe that that Rooney Mara is making a really intelligent uh, character choice, and that's 
what I've decided to believe. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like me on the Paddington episode. Um, <laughs> yes, I definitely see that read of it, uh, and I hadn't considered that before. So, so thank you. I, yeah. I suppose where I was coming from it is that, to me, like as I said, there wasn't didn't feel like there was that much chemistry on screen between the two of them, and I wondered if that had anything to do. Even though I think they're both excellent actors, like, and I do yeah. like Rooney Mara. I do think she's, as we the said, first kind of a blank. in the social network. <laughs> We've all seen it. And I do like her in Girl with the Dragon Tattoo and everything yeah. like that. But um, yeah, I found her perhaps too withdrawn in in this movie. But I'm wondering if the lack of chemistry had to do with them both being straight or at least married to men i don't know exactly how rooney mara and kate blanchett identify but they're married to men so i'm wondering would there have been more chemistry would it have been like a hotter lesbian romp if they (laughs) if they had cast queer women well and potentially i think that that that's true Mm -hmm. um i mean and who knows they've never to my knowledge have never come out one way or another Mm -hmm. if anybody can correct me on that but um yeah i mean the problem is that you know with a movie like that or like movie like disobedience or whatever these like big movies that we're seeing coming out that actually are starring um queer women or uh which i'm called what was the one this year with your girlfriend uh, Rachel Weisz, yeah. my girlfriend. Yeah. Well, oh, the favorite. And the favorite. Oh, the favorite, yeah. which I absolutely loved. Like, you need, or they think that you need big star names, mm-hmm. and there are just almost no queer females who are at that level right. of their career. Yeah. Like, out, at least out. Yeah. So, unfortunately, until either people start coming out or those queer women become famous yeah. that way, <laughs> right. we're not going to see Nicole that. Nicole and I are fucking um, available, by the way. We are, we are available and we have chemistry with women. Um, but, yeah, no, I think... Um, in, in terms of going back to the initial question about, like, how does this represent queer women and queerness, it definitely checks a couple of boxes in that you have, like, the lesbian ex-girlfriend who's now the best oh, friend. Oh, God, yeah. Like, that is a thousand percent a lesbian trope where you just, like, you break up and then you're like, but I guess we're just besties now. And, like, that so immediately I was like, like can ding. you drive my current girlfriend across the country? Yes! <laughs> and she's like, sure. Uh, fine. Okay. Incredibly yeah. accommodating. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just exactly. So I was like, no, okay. Um, that and also um, the sad reality of you know going back to the blank slate that is Rooney Mara the the sad reality of getting completely consumed yeah. by your first girlfriend <laughs> so that your entire life is about absolutely nothing but that woman I even wrote down when I watched it the second time I was like wow if there was this is going to sound very meta since like the Bechdel test is sort of a lesbian test but if there was like a <laughs> like a Bechdel test that I somehow know. existed for just women in a just woman world and was really for lesbians, she would fail it. I did think because the same thing. She, because her entire existence is about Carol. Mm. Granted, the name of the movie is Carol. Fine, we can we can say that this is the story. But like everything else just feels so unimportant and uninvested in. I don't even, I don't believe her photography thing for one freaking minute. I'll be honest with you. Like I, I, don't, I just don't believe it. And it's like her whole everything is Carol. And she just, she's like, okay, whatever you say. You know, I just, I don't know anything really about her outside of that so I was like wow if she were a guy this would fail so so hard and be so stereotypical but I hate to say it that like a lot of first girlfriend situations are that way Mm, so yeah so I thought that was actually 
horribly accurate. <laughs> the way that she talked about her photography career, I thought was always, I mean, because she is kind of a very passive character in some ways that I thought were like made sense with the character and other ways where I'm like, no, what? No, stand up for yourself a little bit. Where yeah. like anytime someone would bring up her photography, she'd be like, I'm horrible. Yeah. I'm not good. I don't have yeah. a camera. I've mm. never done it before. And it was just like, it, you've been doing it for years. Like, Please, yeah. Please. It's like if we, like I'm like actually I've only done one open mic. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just, <laughs> and then I just like buried myself alive. Um, <laughs> there were moments where I'm just like, you you've done this before. Relax. It's fine. Yeah. <sighs> I had a I have a quote from Kate Blanchett. She was asked, I think this was last year, maybe in 2017, about um, straight actors playing queer mm-hmm, characters yeah. because that is like such a conversation that you know it's out there. And she she gave like a pretty direct answer. And and when asked about Carol directly, she said, quote, I will fight to the death for the right to suspend disbelief and play roles beyond my experience. So that was like her direct statement on straight actors playing queer characters. And I guess I just wanted to get your opinions or thoughts on that. I don't disagree with that as an actor, to be honest. And that's probably it, it is an unpopular opinion in some spheres right now. Um, I, I don't I don't disagree with it. I think that there are limits to that. Obviously, when we're talking about like playing a different race or something mm-hmm. where especially when the when the role is written specifically with a certain race in mind and has cultural references, et cetera, mm-hmm. that is a line, obviously. But something like with the queer characters, I just the problem is that you can take this argument that people are making to an extreme so that actors are only ever allowed Mm -hmm. to play what their experience is and then what is acting you know Mm -hmm. I I think like and we can see that being taken to that place by certain people and casting and producers and stuff right now anyway that said I understand trying to balance it so that you are getting actors seen for roles that they hadn't been seen for before. Like, it just wasn't okay to be an out actor for so Mm -hmm. long. Mm -hmm. And when you have only you know, straight people playing gay roles, people go, well, what what about all of our queer actors, you know? And then queer actors so for so long haven't been allowed to play straight roles, quote unquote, when being out because no one can see them as anything else but gay. Mm-hmm. But when yeah. a straight actor plays gay, they're like, well, yeah, they they're an actor. nominated. And you're like, oh, yeah, brave. Yeah. yeah, like, so it, it, that's, that's where that is problematic and where people need, to, something needs to shift yeah. so that, Actors can just be actors, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think. Yeah. I'm still uh, processing my feelings on this and have been for like probably a year now because it's come so much into the forefront with people like Scarlett Johansson and, and the issue. Uh-huh. And I think I fall way more on the side of like, hey, let's not do that in terms of cis actors playing trans characters. That to me does feel more black and white where it's like hey let's stop doing that yeah I agree but then, with that a lot but then that has forced me to be like okay Lauren if that's your feeling on that then does that translate to you know straight actors playing queer actors and ultimately I think I do lean more towards what Nicole is saying where it's like no that feels like a different it's the same maybe it's the same like ballpark but it's like a different look I don't know baseball it's like right field left field like it's a different part of the talk same about, ballpark talk about it's it more in, of a uh, football movie. Mr. Football yeah. 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 Friday Night Light <laughs> um, yeah and also like I never want Rachel Weisz to stop playing 
queer characters. Like, <laughs> please, God. So I can never firmly come down on the side of that. I think for something like Batwoman, like, let's all fucking support, like, the fact that they actively look to cast a, a queer female and, like, let's all support the fuck out of that show. And, like, yes, I'm so glad it's Ruby Rose. But I think, like Nicole is saying, let's look to get more of that. But I don't think it should be an exclusive, like... It shouldn't be a requirement. Yeah, I mm. agree. It, that, it becomes very, very difficult. Not to mention yeah. that casting starts to become extremely difficult. Well, right now, you literally can't do it. Like, what is Kristen Stewart going to literally play every fucking role? <laughs> Please, God, no. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of cardboard apps. Yeah, I, I just... Jesus. You can't do it right that now. That one There's I agree not... with, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually, it's funny. I thought of Kristen Stewart several times while watching That's Rooney Mara in this movie because I was like this must be the thing that everybody is like well she's there's a mystique I'm like oh god like give <laughs> me personality mystique can really go fuck itself I don't know I, I Oh, but Mystique is the only thing boring people have. (laughs) There's so many. Have you ever had like an experience like that with someone where you're just like, I don't know, what are they all about? Like, what's going on? And then you get to know them, you're like, oh, they just, they're boring. (laughs) I think maybe I'm a Rooney Mara apologist in this movie because I think. I think I fall for that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot in the traditionally in the past. I'm working on all of this in therapy, you guys. I'm <laughs> taking care of it. But I think I have been guilty of the like, ooh, that girl's mysterious. And then like you get to know her and you're like, ooh, that girl's boring. <laughs> so maybe I, I relate. On I feel that like level. it goes one of two ways. Your your mystique is either boring or you're fucked up. It's like one it's yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, what a that. fun journey every time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or or the the strangest fucked up and yet still boring. Oh, oh yes. wow. A Let's see more of that. Met true, those. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, where true. are all my fucked up boring people at? <laughs> <laughs> I might be one of them. I don't know. Um, we need to take another quick break, but we will be right back. And we're back. Uh, speaking of back, should we talk a little bit about the back story <laughs> oh, of this? Oh, wow. uh, the... <laughs> Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk Patricia Highsmith. Yes. While we're at it. Yes, let's. Uh, I did not know that much. I knew I knew her name and I knew I did not know she had written this book, uh, which was originally called The Price of Salt, mm-hmm. um, came out in 1952. But I, I knew her as the writer of The Talented Mr. Ripley. She was, mm-hmm. like, famous for being a psychological thriller writer. Yeah, she also wrote the novel for Strangers on a Train. She's a fascinating, complicated, dare I say problematic? Uh, I would dare to say that, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so she wrote this, The Price of Salt, under the, a pseudonym, Claire Morgan, mm-hmm. in 1952. And then it was republished 38 years later as Carol under Patricia Highsmith's own name and then it was adapted into the film Carol that we now know and that are talking about right. um, uh, by by and the the woman who adopted it Phyllis Nagy I think is uh, yeah, yeah I don't know how to say her last name but uh, the the woman who adapted the screenplay knew Patricia Highsmith in I think like the last 10 years of her life mm-hmm. um, which I think is like kind of like a rare rare success uh in adaptation but mm-hmm. anyways back to patricia yes carol screenwriter phyllis Nagy, something like that described highsmith as a lesbian who did not very much enjoy being around other women um and this is something that you'll find a lot concerning how highsmith was 
described and considered um she seemed to be a misogynist she did not like (laughs) other women she basically would sometimes have sex with men just because she enjoyed their company more oh her whole i mean (laughs) there's a lot of going well (laughs) (laughs) the internalized misogyny is strong with this one (laughs) yes yeah she was compared to being a movie studio boss who would chase starlets Speaking of this movie was produced by the Weinstein Company. Yeah. Yes, oh, oh, I know. The up, first right? frame, you're like, oh, I know. Yep. I know. <laughs> no. Uh, she was also pretty racist. She um, was very racist. Anti-Semitic. Cool. cool. So problems. The, her, she, there's a lot of problems <laughs> with her. Uh, the yeah, that she was described as quote a lesbian with a misogynist streak unquote and then there are a few people that are like she was actually you know like she struggled with a lot of depression there was a lot Mm -hmm. of mental illness going on as well that seemed to get worse as she grew older a very complicated person one thing I found out about her that I just want to share with the class is (laughs) that she had 300 snails what (laughs) okay so she had 300 snails and one time she went to a party with a huge handbag full of 100 snails eating um. lettuce. <laughs> and if I read that, I was like, that could so... Like, did you ever read an anecdote where you're like, that could be me in 40 years easily? <laughs> easily. I mean, I, you had those leeches. I had so. my leeches for a I was oh, like, wow. she just like brought her snails out. Yeah. There's I mean, the expression, you lead with your crazy. Like, <laughs> that if you can't handle me with my 100 snails in a bag... <laughs> You don't deserve me. me. No snails. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, that's a lesbian trope, though, right? Just bringing a bunch of snails snails, around. (laughs) The snails in a bag thing. True. I mean, her Wikipedia page is just. It is fucking wild. It's it's. They're like she's racist. She's misogynist. She wrote the first like uh, lesbian novel ever, and she has. 300 snails and you're just like what is going on? Oh I read on? it that she wrote the first lesbian novel with a happy ending. Yes. Sorry I should have Oh yeah. Sure yeah. yeah. Which That's is another some... huge thing. That yeah. I was gonna yeah. Yeah. I, I was definitely going to comment on that actually how yeah. like it's a funny thing because throughout watching the movie again and with an eye for Bechtel test kind of stuff I couldn't help but feel because it's true that even though it is two, there repeatedly two women in a room talking more than two lines of dialogue about things that aren't about a man, mm-hmm. um, so it, it clearly passes. The presence of a man, a man specifically, mm-hmm. like looms over sure. everything to the point mm-hmm. where there are like, with the exception of the last moment of the movie, there are no enjoyable moments it's like there's no <laughs> moment where you really can just let go even the even the um score does that right when they're having sex it's like like, like big like like scary sort of like uh, ominous sounding music uh-huh. you know um which so there's this cloud over everything and it definitely um that sort of unfortunate trope of of queer cinema or, or um, queer content where, like, they have sex and then it all goes wrong, yeah, like, immediately yeah. happens. Mm-hmm. I did like that they balked that a little bit in the, in the sense that they still had sex again that night. Yeah. So it was yeah. a little bit of an F you. But then she leaves again the next day. So it's like until that last moment, the presence of a man is hanging over 
every single thing that happens. And granted, that is the time period. Mm -hmm. But I do think that this film, I don't want to say it's problematic, but it definitely still falls in that category of like, well, I don't know. I don't want to be a queer person like that. <laughs> like that's a it's a it's a difficult queer story. Yeah. Well, yeah. I was going to say that um yes, I guess this movie technically has a, a happy ending because we're to understand that they end up together. Sure. But at such a huge cost where Carol yes. has to sacrifice so much her, by daughter. her daughter. Right. So, I mean, it's it's not that happy, especially, I mean, we see how much she loves her daughter. And that she has to go into therapy to continue to see her daughter, which is oh, just... Oh, see, I thought oh. that was, like, I thought that she was calling a stop tall. I thought, like, the compromise that she offers is, like, I can't go against my own grain. I'm going to live my life. Like, I'm insisting on visitation, but, but then I'm, she I'm says go she off only saw her daughter, like, once, once or, or twice. twice. Yeah, but that, but... My understanding is that the court, or what, not the court hearing, whatever, with the stenographer, whatever the hell that is. Yeah, some sort I of. I thought that that happened, like, days before she sees Tourette. Oh, I guess oh, we don't know how much impression. time has passed. That is confusing. I, I don't yeah. think so, because but, they're already selling the house. She already has an apartment and, and a job. job. That it, didn't right. happen in a couple Solid days. Point. This has been a couple months, yeah. easily. I also, I, I, yeah. I think I was, because I read about Patricia Highsmith before I watched the movie all the way through and it does seem like there are elements of Patricia Highsmith's life that are included in this movie Definitely. because she was a Bloomingdale's girl mm -hmm. and and she was in therapy for many years essentially a version of gay conversion therapy uh, yeah. that she very much wanted to work mm -hmm. so I that was how I read it but I think that was just because I had just finished reading all this about Patricia Highsmith of mm -hmm. like they frame her sexuality as basically a mental illness yeah. mm -hmm. and then you see her in therapy and I'm like oh that doesn't seem good but right it's so not specific I don't know I guess what I really like about this movie is that both characters both Therese and Carol are like unapologetic about their sexuality mm -hmm. and they're not keeping it a secret from at least the people around them like Richard knows about her crush on Carol Harge knows also Harge what is that name <laughs> Harge, Harge I knows it was Arch the whole first time I saw the movie <laughs> like, what the... It's also what is that name though but um so Harge knows about Carol and yes at the end she says like I'm not going to go against my grain here's my final offer I want visitation rights but yeah I mean she doesn't have custody of her daughter Harge yeah. has sole custody and so and uh, we know that Harge is like a dysfunctional alcoholic yeah. so yeah her yeah. daughter is not better off right because we see Carol at, you know she's a great mom and mm -hmm. she yeah. like loves her daughter and... she brushes her hair so much <laughs> I was just like <laughs> if you have to clean out your daughter's brush every day my friend your daughter is going bald Too aggressive. <laughs> just, yeah. but hey baldest woman in charge that's ah! true Rindy will someday Rindy. be <laughs> in charge be a CEO um but yeah so I mean it makes me appreciate the the era that we live in now which yes. is still not great but at least you know homosexuality isn't considered a mental illness anymore you know all that so 
I like that they're unapologetic about their sexuality, but it still comes at a, at a great cost, especially yeah. for Carol mm-hmm. and her daughter. So It does. And it, yeah, so it, it is hard to feel happy. I didn't feel happy at the end of that movie, that's for sure. It's not very uplifting. No, it's just no. not an uplifting movie. But and, she smiled. Yeah. <laughs> but it <laughs> smiled to me. Yeah. I, I also, I mean, and again, part of this goes back, like, I, I will, I promise I will cease and desist soon on this point, but like, I also look at it and I'm like, for that girl, like, oh, like for her. I mean, like, I look at you know the the, the relationship with Abby. I totally understand. Uh-huh, like yeah, that sure. that friendship and that closeness and all of that sacrificing for that relationship. I really get and sacrificing just for who you are, regardless of who you're with or if you're with anybody. I totally get. Mm-hmm. But like for that girl also, and I just have to say this because this is. Sadly, ugh, on on brand for lesbians, um, but the like. Oh, we went on a two week trip together, and then we didn't speak. And now, do you want to move in? Is like such yes. a U haul move, like lesbian U haul move. Hundred percent. Oh, and that's just like normal. Oh god. Well, Carol, so much. Like I remember the first time that I saw this in the theaters. I remember being so cringy about how aggressive. Like that first scene where they have food, and she's like, "Would you like to visit me this Sunday?" Like it's like. Like, what are you doing? You just learned, you just asked her her first name. Right. Like, seconds before. <laughs> so, yeah, there's definitely, there's a lot of cringeworthy lesbian stereotype It didn't in feel film. as predatory as sort of like the predatory romance that you see in, like, Debs. Right. But there's still, like, a huge power dynamic imbalance between the two of them where Carol is much wealthier Uh she is older and she's more sexually experienced yes and then she i and and also in in this movie and this was like an adaptation change that i when i like figured out that that had been changed i was like oh i don't really like that they made her a virgin in this Uh movie was she not in the book no she had been having sex she'd been having unfulfilling sex with richard and Like there was oh, more context for change. it, yeah. Mm. And then I feel like they almost do that character kind of a disservice by being like, you know, she's just floating around like I don't know. And it's not a Madonna whore thing, but it, that choice is just sort of indicative of like washing that character and making her even, you know, because it's like if she, not saying that if you're a virgin you don't have any life experience, but it it just having that character have some experience going into that relationship would have made me feel more comfortable with the relationship happening because you're like the power dynamics are a little off. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we're sort of led to believe that it's brought up a bunch of times, even though she still has her own apartment in Greenwich village, but uh, (laughs) she's a shop girl. She's young. She can't really afford to pursue her passion. Like she's Mm -hmm. in a very, very different position as Carol. And, and I don't know, I was trying to picture movies with I mean there's a ton of movies about hetero relationships where there's a man who's much older mm-hmm. wooing a much younger woman and this is not that movie but there yeah. are elements of that where it's like yeah. oh that should have been a discussion I feel like Abby's the only one who really brings it up right is like she's so she's young. young are you sure Abby's that the you should best do this? character in this film yes. like she's <laughs> the most grounded rash like she's fucking great uh-huh. um, yeah. but I will say with Carol and Therese because I did watch it through a 2019 lens it's like a hundred as far as I could tell it's fully consent based like she oh, yes. oh, yeah. Very, Definitely. she's asking aggressively but she doesn't do 
anything without being like For is sure. this okay would you like to do this like blah 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 and yeah. with the sex scene it's like Therese is the one who's like take, take me, me to me bed, to bed. So. yeah mm-hmm. yes and it's like never implied that they would have any reason to feel unsafe around each other right too which is like makes a huge mm-hmm. difference and as far as I could tell Carol never holds anything over Therese in terms of like well I have more money than you or I am mm-hmm. like old no. like she never like Mm-mm. uses that like the imbalance of power to her advantage as far as yeah. I can yeah. it tell. just goes kind yeah. of unacknowledged yeah. it's just like yeah. a thing that exists right I don't know it would it would just be nice to see more representation in mainstream movies of queer women where it wasn't such an imbalance of of power uh it would be nice to see a movie about two queer women where no one has to make a huge sacrifice yeah yeah <laughs> you know it would be nice to see more queer women of color. It would be nice to yeah. see more, you know, trans and non-binary people in, in mainstream movies. And the thing but... that I see people asking for a lot on, on queer Twitter, as it were, is like, hey, can we get more movies where both women are already out and that's not, like, right. realizing yeah, or coming the... to terms mm-hmm. is not an element of the plot. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that would be great. Uh-huh. More of that, please. Indeed. I wanted to talk about how, just briefly, about how the men are kind of presented in this movie. Because each and every single male character who we get to know, even the slightest bit, is horrible. (laughs) I kind of appreciated how the worst they were. I mean, there was not... I don't know. Yeah, what did everyone think about the men? I just, I was just like, yeah, fine. Mr. Football is mad. He, well, he's like, (laughs) often drunk. He's usually full of rage and jealousy. He's very spiteful when it comes to a bunch. (laughs) Drunkenly falling. I think one of the things and and I and I I I am obviously in the minority in this, but I really like Kyle Chandler as a as an actor. And I I also loved Friday Night Lights, like no, it's so Lights good in rules. there. Yes, it's so good. If if anybody hasn't seen it, watch it. It's and like I hate football, so it's not it's not about that. But anyway, but partly what where I think like the disservice to the men in this movie, and also just the honestly the story in this movie, is that we don't get to see in even a flashback and even in anything any part of Carol and Harge's relationship. So like it is very difficult. I think to imagine those two people being together other than they're both wealthy and good looking I guess like mm-hmm. I mean really it's very difficult to imagine it because we we see so little of any of the love left between them and I don't know I, I would have liked to see because she says like her big last line as she's leaving that meeting or what the lawyer oh, is that whatever is like oh, I like wrote it down she's I love so it. good I, I mean that. it was oh, god that it was so cry, it's like the yeah. best Best scene in the movie, I think. But Her like, voice cracks at the exact perfect. Oh, it's she's so, so good. good. But like she says something, you know, uh, then it will get ugly or it'll get, yeah, yeah. ugly and we're not ugly people mm-hmm. or something like that. It's like a, something along those lines. And I guess I just wanted to be like, wow, I would have really liked to see him not being ugly then at some point mm-hmm. or and like some semblance right. of like real good guyness about him that I can imagine he has, but isn't there because you can see his face and he seems to be coming to an understanding or he he seems to be like 
you're right, Carol. Yes. Like, yeah. in that I, scene, but in that's that not scene. who we understood him to be previously because right. he was completely like I, bullheaded. And I not... kind of do. I sort of have a different take. Mm. Again, Carol, apologist over here. <laughs> but I, well, what I love about all the men in this movie is they're like so oafish, which to me is like hilarious. Like, they all fall down and some like they Richard yeah. falls down, like a hard falls down. Um, but I, and I, I'm framing it in that era. I don't think either of those guys are like, Richard's a dick, but I don't think either of those guys are like super bad guys. Like, no. I think this is a guy who like, his wife has had at least one affair that mm-hmm. he knows about. Like, this is a guy, he he never, I feel like in a different movie, we definitely would have gotten like a smack or like a punch or so because it's uh, 1951 mm-hmm. and the guy's drunk. And I remember watching it originally, that's where I thought that was going. Mm-hmm. But he's the one who falls down. Like, he's definitely too handsy with her, but I don't, I think he is shown to be like this oafish bumbling, like, this isn't how this is supposed to work kind of guy. <laughs> right. But I don't think he's evil. Even Richard, I don't think, is like, terrible like i love that line where he's like you made me buy boat tickets (laughs) like he's this dude who's like what the fuck like i thought we were a thing (laughs) the moment that i did really like i was like oh that she kind of did him dirty on that one where he was yeah because she she's been saving up money to go on vacation with him and she's like actually i just met this really cool lady it kind of sucks like that does suck i do actually and i i often am the one who who's feeling bad for men in queer movies because sometimes I do think, especially in lesbian films, they get, like, the short end of the stick and are shown to be just, like, these, like, bumbling idiot oafs, like, whatever. (laughs) And I'm like, and especially as, like, the resident bisexual in the room, I'm like, come on, not all guys are like that. (laughs) Hashtag not all men. men. Yeah, like, that's, you know, and it actually, and I I also think that stories are more interesting when you have more realistic portrayals of characters so that people aren't painted as just bad or good yes. and there is a little bit more ambiguity because it makes it more difficult for the characters to make decisions when you know you're dealing with two good people versus one good and one bad you know um, so I think that they could have done a little bit better of a job with the men in this making them slightly more multi-dimensional the one guy who I really liked yes. is the guy with the accent who like Danny? yeah the Danny. one who like tries to Danny's like the one but of course because he's like the film kid you know what I mean like <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit boy. of exactly. it's a little bit of projection but that's a great but, trope yeah. that I don't think we see enough that really exists in real life where it's like the guy who's into the girl and like tries to kiss her and then is like oh my bad you're queer you're not into it like now I'm gonna be your best friend and help you paint your apartment yeah. <laughs> and he's just like so chill and cool yeah. and he's like I think you really like this lady and she's like no I don't and he's like come on girl like, I just think he's like a really good dude but I also, like he guy. knew that she had a boyfriend, Richard, at the oh, yeah, time. Yeah, and yeah. he shouldn't have tried, tried to, to kiss her. Hundred, yeah, he's he's <laughs> shitty to yeah. his shouldn't friends to and him. to like, yeah. But I think once he realizes, like, and that's a problem in and of itself. He should treat her like a person, even mm-hmm. if she's straight and not into him. But at least in 1951, once that guy realizes, like, oh, she's not into it. He's not like. Bye forever. Like he's yeah. like, Let he me helps help her get a job at the time. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. He's he he does yeah. come through for her so yeah. like quite a bit, guy. but he and shouldn't have tried to kiss her. No, but, but to no, be super inappropriate. To be fair, 
I even afterwards was like, wait, does she have a boyfriend? Because she makes, <laughs> well, she's so she like blasé yeah. and non-committal <laughs> about Richard that like he probably is like, are they even dating? Yeah, I mean, right. I as the audience member was like, are they even dating? Or is I this like that too. Richard thinking that they're dating, which totally happens, I mean, you know? Yes. So I, Moby. I, I, I and Moby. So oh my God. <laughs> yeah, oh, like, such a Moby. Yeah, yeah, where you're just like, are you, what? Oh, I don't embarrassing know. embarrassing to watch. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Something about the Harge character, that I think that that, again, was a weird adaptation thing because uh, as far as I can tell in the book, he is mentioned, but he's barely in it. He's not mm. a main character oh, at all. Oh, that's wow. interesting. So he, his character's part was really beefed up for the movie and I mean it's it's weird it's it's kind of like what everyone was saying it seems like the fact he's not like a monster outright but I don't like I don't understand why as much as I love Mr. Football's pratfalls (laughs) and him being like why you don't love me no more like being pissed and litigious whatever male villain tropes are employed there I feel like you very if you're gonna like beef up that part and you want to make it like a nuanced, complicated movie, show that he's heartbroken. Show yeah. that he's confused. Like mm-hmm. show that he doesn't yeah. like in less of a broad strokes way. Cause that almost felt like out of step with what the movie was trying to do with different relationships where like Carol and Abby's friendship is so nuanced and subtle mm. and cool. And like most of the ways that people relate in this movie seem to be going for that subtlety, but it's weird like Harge's character is like kind of broad for this movie where he's just like mad alcoholic husband and I mean I don't even know where I fall on it because I'm like I mean I I just if they were gonna use him on screen that much I wish it had been in a way that was a little more nuanced and servicing the story instead of just him becoming a litigious villain yeah I agree with that especially if she's gonna suggest at the end that that's not who he is deep down and yeah like you were saying Nicole is just like well we've only seen him drunk and angry yeah and I mean like I get the it seems as though what they were going for maybe um, with the men in these women's lives right so Richard and Harge is that when men are heartbroken, they get angry. Mm-hmm. Like, and that is how mm. they deal with being heartbroken is through anger and not vulnerability. That's, yeah. I mean, because like he shows, hard shows up at Abby's and like when right. he has nothing left to say, when Abby's like stonewalled him and been like, she's not here. I am closing leave. the door. Yeah. And he's like, but I love her. And she's like, I can't help you with that. Right. So, right. And I think that those simple two lines say everything about the men in this movie Mm -hmm. in so many ways where it's like it is not the women's responsibility to cater to the men's feelings Mm -hmm. you know like you guys have fallen in love of your own accord sometimes that works out and sometimes it doesn't and we can apologize for the things where we legitimately are wrong and have hurt you but also then like it's up to you to be a big boy and take care of yourself without being destructive yeah and I think both of those men are coming from a point of view where they're like if A then B they're like well if I love you then Then that's it you must love me right it's neither of those guys gets a feeling of ownership and entitlement. Right. Yeah. And I mean, in the 1950s, yes. speak about an era where men did not know how to process their feelings. <laughs> like, and, we're not, <gasps> and we're not encouraged to. I mean, exactly. you know, it's not even 
their fault entirely. You know, they were not, that was a weakness. So, yeah. yeah. I guess yeah. I wish it were a little clearer that, like, in the book, it seems like it's clearer that the, whatever, villain, if there is a villain of this story, is the culture that they're living in. Yeah. Oh, definitely. That doesn't allow them to be who they are. But in this movie, I feel like they almost take the shortcut of being like, it's the guys That's in the a movie. great point. Yeah. It's such an insular movie. It's one of those movies where it's like, is this a stage play? Where it's just like, you <laughs> don't really get a sense of the outside world at all. It's like, that's my ride. <laughs> I'm gonna ride a giant drill out of here. Uh, like everything that we're saying about oh at that time it's just because we know that like you don't see a lot of like the outside world pressuring this and that it's like we're inferring that because all of us know what it was like to be queer in 1950 but you're right yeah. that it's it, it is one of those super insular movies where we're just really seeing the characters we're seeing and there's not a lot of like different people running around being like, I don't like queers. And then they just like cross the street and we never see them again. So you're just <laughs> people just did that. Back. Day players talking about how they don't like queer people. Um, it is basically just like it's a it's a close knit sort of film. Mm-hmm. So everything that that we've been saying about like, oh, the time period and stuff. We're not really shown that. We just mm-hmm. we know that or we hear. About yeah. It. Also, like, like yeah. everybody in this film has extremely fine tuned gaydar, which I like don't true. understand. I right. mean, the Richard, like, Richard had, has really no reason to believe that Therese has a crush on yeah. Carol, but he, like, picks it up on it right away. And says it. Like, it's not a thing. I know. Like, it is It is very weird. And then, like, <laughs> but, like, every random lesbian that Therese runs into is, like, staring at her from across the room because yes. they're all like, I smell you. Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> Carrie what? Brownstein. Yeah, Carrie like, Brownstein. Yeah, and lesbian. the two, like, random in lesbos the in the record shop. shop. Oh, my <laughs> God, I know. They clog her like immediately. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also everybody who has gaydar just stares. Like is like just blatantly to be like. Fair, I, that's my move. Like, that's... <laughs> but I mean, it's it is a little bit. It's a little silly and on the nose, obviously. But also because like there was a whole code. It was like the handkerchief yes. code, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, for gay men, where you would like wear a certain color handkerchief in your back pocket to show that a you were queer, but like what like type of queer yeah. you were and what you were into yeah. so other Ooh. men could pick up on it so it's like guys like if gaydar were really as good as it's shown in carol <laughs> no one would have needed the handkerchief code so like it's just it was a little women bit women had to develop it though because their clothes don't have pockets no that's so they, it's oh, another sure. way that the glass ceiling is like <laughs> we simply cannot carry things the unfair around. standards of that are placed on women did you ever have this uh that system in high school where the color of like rubber bracelet you were wearing was like indicative of whether you were a virgin or not that was a big thing i like heard about that i feel like that was i thought that was like an urban legend but maybe not yeah i feel like that was a news story where they're like they're called bracelets and (laughs) kids are wearing them to indicate there was i would wear i would wear a a red bracelet my sophomore year which you should never wear the bracelet that means you're a virgin but I did wear that and then I even when I was still a virgin I swapped it out because I'm like I, I and then every day I would look at my bracelet and be like you're a liar oh, wow that's so intense I've never it heard of so, it there was yeah there was an intense bracelet I know, that was a real thing, though, yeah. when I was in high school I got the cartilage of my right ear pierced and everyone's mm-hmm. like if you get your right ear pierced oh, yeah. that means you're gay and yes. I was like what I had never heard that before, but I also didn't care. I was like, I don't give a fuck what people (laughs) think my sexuality is. But um, yes, there's been codes. Exactly. I guess what I enjoyed about this movie, because a lot of the 
the tension does end up because there's no sort of external cultural tension mm-hmm. in terms of like society hates queer people in this movie that we see right. the tension then derives from largely the male characters in the movie and the fact that they're I mean and this is not to say that all men are horrible <laughs> but since most movies are about how awesome men are and how <laughs> freaking cool yeah they are and also movies where men are the focus if there is a female character she's often presented as an obstacle in some way much Mm -hmm. the way men are presented as obstacles in this movie Mm -hmm. so it's kind of nice to see that switch sure but uh i like it yeah i don't know it's like at the end i'm I'm just gonna be split on on this because in one way i'm like it's kind of lazy movie shorthand to just be like this character uh symbolizes all oppression everywhere (laughs) and most people are actually really chill but it's also like i i don't dislike the man Haiti tropes that are employed by this movie through those characters because you're like well you don't really get to see that very much so mm. yeah yeah I, yeah. Was, I think so much for me I wrote at times it's fun and at other times devastating and uncomfortable to see men constantly barking up the wrong trees <laughs> in this movie <laughs> Way generally, also. generally, but just, like that's it is that you yeah. go back and forth from being like, ha, that's funny to being like, oh, I don't feel good. Richard, that. especially, is such a doof. Like that yeah. part where Carol is picking up Therese, and Richard's all like, wow, oh, I'm Richard. Hey, nice to meet you. And then Carol's like, oh, Therese speaks very highly of you. And he's like, oh, well, that's swell. And he's immediately like, playing. <laughs> talk she about a beard. She Jesus plays him she was so like, yeah, you'll hard. do. You're fine. <laughs> Yeah, he is. He, the guy from Obvious Child, too. Yeah, in the middle, I, I was know. like, oh, because he's like obscured him. by a hat for most yeah. of it. Yes. That's all I can see him as is like that and the guy from Girls. And I'm like, oh, that huh. guy. The so doof. Perfect yeah. casting for me. <laughs> Truly, yeah, he's peak doof casting. Yeah. Here's something we don't often see is uh, women eating in a movie, oh. which we mm. see uh, women mm. eat quite a bit. And we also see women driving in a way that it's not like them like, ah. I just accidentally got on the freeway and I'm gonna crash. So I think it's this not movie, like clueless, correct? Exactly. Yeah. Right. This Especially movie normalizes for like a period piece. That's like right. Good to see. Yeah. Yeah. So it normalizes women driving and eating. Uh, so that's my hot take. Another point I saw being made about this movie was like the cinematography, which oh, we've. Yeah. I mean, it is so beautiful that you're sleeping, and <laughs> but the like absence of perceived male gaze in yes. this movie which is funny because it's the the cinematographer is a man as edward, is the director yeah yes. yeah, yeah edward edward lockman who has a pretty stellar record of um removing or at least i don't know compartmentalizing the male gaze for the movies he's worked mm-hmm. on he also did the he did other todd haynes movies he did far from heaven um he did the virgin suicides he did a bunch of like wow. very female focused uh, movies that concerned like women's bodies mm-hmm. and I don't know I mean did that I mean that worked for me I thought it was very there was nothing that I felt refreshing. was like objectifying or like overly you know like sexualizing women you know we see the yeah. sex scene but it, it felt very tastefully done I yeah I loved it and you know how you were saying like uh oh you see in the car like the random shot of the steering wheel or like that yeah. kind of thing I think and again I haven't read the book but I know that the book it's based on is it's third person, but it's all from Therese's point of view. And I think that this movie is like shot almost entirely, certainly any scenes she's in, I read as her point of view, which is why I think it's like 
you get these little chunks of like she's looking at like there's a lot of like Kate Blanchett's mouth like she's mm-hmm. looking at her lips or she's looking at her hand or these mm-hmm. things which to me I read as her like sort of discovering her attraction for her but yeah I I thought it did a great job as being like this is what this woman's experience is and you're seeing like little glimpses of it yeah. Yeah. The, the color palette was really reflective oh, of that too because it, yeah. it was largely red and green which also was helpful because it was around Christmas time so yes. you had that but it was like red green and gold sometimes as well but like red and green were primary and Kate Blanchett was like almost always wearing something red mm. um, and certainly in the first half of the movie when like Rooney Mara is discovering her yeah. um, and then like Abby and Rooney Mara and and then sometimes Kate Blanchett too are often wearing green or yeah. are are framed in green mm-hmm. so for you know whatever more of like uh what is it like a obsession or there's like a, but there's oh danger green is also a really? danger Ooh. color yeah too which I think was pretty cool like when you see Abby pull up and she's got the green on and you're like oh danger because really she does represent like a very dangerous part of Kate Blanchett's yeah. life mm-hmm. yeah so yeah. Oh, that's cool. yeah anyway hopefully but <laughs> I mean yeah I, the lack of male gaze from the cinematographer. The director is a man, Todd Haynes, mm-hmm. uh, but he's considered, you know, he's an he's out gay director. director. He's yeah. considered mm-hmm. a pioneer of mm-hmm. the new queer cinema movement that mm-hmm. emerged in the early 90s. Um, the screenwriter is a queer woman. A lot of the producers are women. Also, Harvey and Bob Weinstein. Oops. But <laughs> when, you, <laughs> when you have a movie that's coming largely from either a female or queer perspective or both we're not surprised that it's handled a bit better and and then adapting from from Mm -hmm. a book that was also written by a queer woman yeah where like we have so many examples I always like jump straight to Carrie of like why is this like very famous movie depicting women so poorly it's oh because a straight man was writing about teenage girls and that was adapted by a screenwriter who's a straight man writing about teenage girls seen through the lens of a straight man leering at teenage girls (laughs) and that's why it's fucked up and like this this movie manages to more or less avoid most of that and and then i think sort of with the cinematography they it's like if you had to choose a male cinematographer i mean i would personally be like oh wouldn't it have been great if there was a female cinematographer Mm -hmm. in this um or a queer female cinematographer but if if there had to be a man this seems like this was the the man for that job Mm -hmm. yeah so that's how i felt about the director too yeah yeah Yeah. i was thinking the same thing yeah and it also took so long for this oh. movie to get made it took yes. 20 almost 20 Whoa. years yeah, i didn't crazy. know that yeah the film rights were acquired in uh it had been in development since 97 was the first titanic the year i know uh-huh. <laughs> and instead they released in the daddy's home year so that's yeah nice. <laughs> yeah i mean it, it took so long to get the movie funded properly yeah. to get the right names attached and just to i think just the matter of waiting it for it to seem like a quote unquote safe movie sure. to have a fairly wide release. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's, it's impressive that it ended up the way it did and that it happened at all. I mean, that's yeah. 18 years waiting to make a queer movie. Like it's crazy. Yeah. I read on IMDb that at some point it was like, they were maybe going to try to do it like in the 1960s and who, and not Rita Hayworth, but like someone was, attached but that was going to be a huge thing and then I read and this sounds like a sketch but I read that a treatment was written 
where the name and gender were changed and it was Carl and it oh, was no. and I was like is um, this cuz anyone can edit IMDb so I was like I need to do more research on this but I want to believe that happened that that fucking table read wait that it would have been turned into a gay male story or a hetero no, story no, like like story. just yeah. Therese and Carl and, that, it, and it was just like a treatment that was written <laughs> in like the <laughs> and it never went but I'm like how did someone spend time writing what? What would that story even be? And that if we thought Carol was boring, yeah, like was Carl say, God, would have been ugh, unwatchable. Carl. <laughs> but that that killed me when I read that on oh, IMDb. Oh I honestly, I, be- I believe it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm down to I hope it's true. <laughs> Carl. I want to be the intern who had to write coverage on the treatment on of Carl. Carl. <laughs> or, or the man that had to confidently pitch it to Patricia Highsmith. Yeah. And be like, listen, I love what you're doing. I see what you're doing. What about Carl? <laughs> she just throws a snail at him. He's like, get out of my office. Oh. God, what a mess. Well, hey, do you think this movie passes the Bechdel test or not? Hell yeah. It sure does. A lot? It does a lot. Very much. I don't think there's a single scene of two men talking without a woman there i was i was half paying attention for that i think so there's scenes with multiple men in the room but there's always at least i think there's always a woman involved though yeah yeah and then yeah there's a lot of different combinations of characters talking that pass the test between carol and therese between carol and abby Mm -hmm. abby and therese so yeah you see a lot of different combinations lots of lots of options for Mm -hmm. a scene study class Indeed, because mm-hmm. that's like what the Bechdel test means to me in my life. Yeah. It's like it's going back point. to college and being like, "Why can't I find any scenes with two girls to work on?" And you're like, "Because acting school is, you know, eighty percent women anyway." Mm-hmm. And so you're like, "Great, we have to use the three guys over and over and over again in class because there are no scenes for all of us." Yeah. <laughs> yep. Anyway, this is also uh, another fairly rare example of a movie that passes the Vito Russo test. Oh um, yeah. And if you're not familiar with that, what that is, listeners, it is a test that requires that uh, a film must contain a character who is identifiably LGBTQ+. Uh, the character must not solely or predominantly be defined by their sexual orientation or gender identity. So in other words, they need to be made up of the same sort of like unique character traits that are commonly used to differentiate straight characters from one another. Okay. And so Kate Blanchett. So, right. <laughs> photographer. She's a photographer. <laughs> Uh, and the queer character must be tied into the plot in such a way that their removal from the story would have a significant impact. So mm. basically, they just need you get to Carl, matter. Yeah. You get yeah. Carl. Yeah. You get Carl. <laughs> God. Although I do, I mean, Nicole, I think that it was really interesting that how like there there is no Bechtel like or Bechtel Wallace test for queer women that. She is so defined by her relationship, which I agree is very first relationshipy, and like, you know, just thinking about anyone's first relationship is cringy. Yeah, um, yeah. But it, that that is like a good like I they I'm I'm glad that they're like oh she also has you know like she has this aspiration mm-hmm. she will not advocate for herself for it and she's not very good but you know <laughs> she's she's going for she's it she's getting better she's she, getting better she has a nice 
are nice. No, our pictures are nice, nice. But it's also like the one moment where I really, where I was like, oh, fuck all this. Like when I, because I was like, because I, in my head, I was like, well, I did give her photography, I guess, even though she seems only mildly passionate about it. Um, Like the the one moment where it really all came crashing down is when, uh, what's his name? Her friend Danny is helping her paint. And he's like, you really should do a show and says it twice. And she's not only like, oh, no, you know, I'm not really good. She's like, no. And you're like, why are you so, like, she's like, I don't want to, no. And you're like, okay, Okay. so I guess you don't care? And at some point, it happens off screen, but at some point she does, you know, but that's it happens off screen. She's painting that wall. (laughs) She's also just painting, did you guys notice that one one small section? (laughs) Oh, Bernie Mara, you've You've never never painted a wall. Have you? (laughs) No, sweetheart. (laughs) One it's so fun yeah. to see actor like actors betray their richness yeah. on screen and <laughs> just like that's so what are yeah. you doing <laughs> yes <laughs> anyways I do I, I do agree that like definitely one character in this movie is more defined yeah. by a romantic relationship yeah. than yeah. makes yes yes let's rate the movie on our nipple scale zero to five nipples based on its portrayal and treatment of women I think I'm gonna give it a four it's nice that you have a story about queer women they are certainly the focus they are driving the narrative the one character as we've discussed is not that well defined and (laughs) characterized uh but you know it's it's still better than most of the female characters we see in any given movie Mm -hmm. so there's that um it is such a white movie. It is yeah, extraordinarily it's white. Startling. And it does take place in New York for most of it. Right. So there's really not an excuse. Like, I, 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 it, it always drives us anytime New York is in a movie and everyone in New York is white. And then people are like, it's a period piece. And you're just like, no, mm. you're a director. Mm. You're a writer. Like, you can, yeah. you can include people right. you have especially when she's at that party at like her friend phil's play i was watching the people on the street walking by i was like is one of them not gonna be Come white on. and then they walk up and i was like they're both white the party and then also at, at the bloomingdale's type place too yeah. like mm-hmm. why mm-hmm. not why? yeah there aren't why that not? many exactly. crowd scenes but the ones that are still almost entirely yeah. white people there yeah. could have been opportunities there, yes i yeah, definitely agree for with sure. that so yeah, it's it it could have been better representation wise, but uh, it's a step in the right direction. You know, we talk about how few mainstream movies there are about queer people, and you know, hopefully this at least in some way helped pave the way for more to be seen down the road. Uh, because the more we see, the more it's normalized, and more representation is what we're always striving for. So. I'm going to say four nipples, and I will give two to Kate Blanchett. Mm. I will give two to Rooney Mars' performance in another movie. <laughs> yes! <laughs> yes! All right. <laughs> yep. Great. Wow. That oh. hurts. <laughs> I'm so, I do truly like her. No, it is. Nicole's joyfulness. I still, uh, <laughs> God, I'm so on the fence about so many elements. I'm also going to go with four uh, for, for many of the same reasons. I mean, it's just, it is 
uh, in spite of sort of the the stuff that we've unpacked as being either like a little off or just straight up confusing, it is, I, I think, you know, it's generally great that this movie exists, especially, and this is like something we didn't, we don't really talk about a lot, but the fan base of this movie has grown so much since it's been available on Netflix. Yeah. And I was, there was like a long piece reported in uh, Them uh, a couple of months ago about the huge young fan base that Carol has built mm. um, since being on Netflix mm. and just not only uh, is like representation important, important but like accessibility uh, to oh, yes. movies like this are, are so important because this is an art house movie mm-hmm. and you know mostly the majority of people at this table did not see it uh, in in small you know, movie theaters in 2015. So the fact that it, it it's available to young people and to, I mean, to everyone, um, if you, if you have, you know, your ex's Netflix password is <laughs> a really cool thing. And, and so in, in spite of its shortcomings, I'm glad that it's, uh, it, it exists and that it's accessible and that it, for the most part, you know, was adapted responsibly and by the right people. It seems yes. like. So yeah. I'll, I'll go four as well. I'll give two to Kate Blanchett. I'm going to give my other two to Abby. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a great call. Yeah. I would say four as well. Oh, I mean, my, my issues with Rooney Mara. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to get to three. I can't, oh, yeah. I can't even get you through. I just said I'm sorry. her name and dropped a full. I literally, because wow. I, I started thinking about it more, and I was like, I can't, I can't. Um, yeah, I mean, two definitely to Kate Blanchett always. Maybe all three. No, but one to one to Abby. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I agree with everything that that you guys have said. I don't even have much more to add. Um, I just simply wish that Rooney Mara's character had been more than a blank slate who is imprinted upon by the one person that she's attracted to. Mm-hmm. So that's all. Yes, <laughs> I. I love this movie. I am not awesome at separate. I'm not the best at being objective when I really love something and I recognize that about myself. I feel like going into this, I maybe would have said four and a half, but I, after hearing all this, I'm, I am going to say four. I barely had an issue with, with Rooney Mara's character, maybe reading it in terms of like coming into contact with so many women who are first coming out, I was looking at it through that kind of a lens and being like, oh, I bet if we saw this character a year from now, like she would be more filled in. But again, yeah, it's true that that is, that's my brain screenwriting and, and mm. directing and stuff. And I respect that. But um, I love this movie. And I do think it's super hot and I will not apologize for that. <laughs> um, I will give my nipples, I will give one to Kate Blanchett, uh, one to Rooney Mara. And then even though she's not in this movie, I'm giving two to Rachel Vice because <laughs> just <laughs> because she is my girlfriend and I love her. Just oh because gosh. her presence is looming over just every lesbian movie at this point. She came up during our conversation, and I would like to throw her some nipples. We'll have to get the both of you back on to do the favorite. Yes, please. Love oh my that movie. God, I love that like movie. I love, 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 love that movie. Yeah. So yeah. I, just really quick, I think you know, I, I know that we have all had different takes on Mr. Football in this movie. <laughs> Consider Alfred Molina in that part. Oh, Alfred yeah. Molina playing Kate yeah. Blanchett's husband. 
I'm horny. Although maybe they just needed them to not have as much chemistry, and so that's why Alfred Molina couldn't do it. That's probably what it is. Yeah. Off the chart with everyone. Sure. How many oh. nipples does 300 snails have? Oh gosh. Ooh, let me look. Okay, do zero. Do snails? I'm about to say snails I feel like zero because there were no I'm nipples friend. besides hers ever in that apartment. Like it feels like with 300 <laughs> snails. Like mm, oh, yeah, no, snails have snails. do not have nipples. No, I can tell you that. But I mean, that. like anybody who sure? yeah. gone. How do you get a girl back to her apartment. Yeah, exactly. you're, you're, the keys in the door. You're like, oh, one one thing before <laughs> I should tell you. The, the Google results for do snails have nipples are wild. I don't recommend them. <laughs> it's all just like hentai. Like. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. thank you so much for thank coming you on, the, on that you. note. Um, where where can we find you online? Plug away. I am at Nicole Payson on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Lauren Flans on Twitter. Um, that's the best. Lauren underscore Flans on Instagram, but I'm not on Instagram that much. Lauren's a Twitter Twitter person. I have a Twitter yeah. person, and our podcast is at Coming Out Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yay! Give it a listen wherever yes. you find podcasts. Yay! Thank you guys so much for having us of on. This course. was so awesome. of course. Fun. This yeah. was so much fun. Thank <laughs> you for being here. You can follow us on the social media platforms at Bechtelcast. We've got our Matreon, aka Patreon. Five bucks a month, two bonus episodes. Can't go wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and and this month on the Patreon, we are doing uh, Knocked Up and Obvious Child. Speaking, it's a Jake Lacey yeah. heavy month oh, on the sure. Bechtelcast. Yes, uh, it's Pregnancy June on the Matreon. <laughs> <laughs> Inspiring. Uh, <laughs> So so you you can check us out there. We have our merch store at tpublic.com slash the Bechtel cast. We're getting some new designs in there soon, but you can get your feminism is the law now shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, also for pride, a uh, queer icon. Queer icon, non-binary icon. Mm-hmm. There we've got we've got them all. Check out the store. Yes. Um and we'll talk to you yeah. soon. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> how do you end the podcast? <laughs> I don't know. See you later. Bye. 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 Football.